Ladies and gentlemen, this is the 79th episode of Concerned Dabs Podcast. I'm your host, Katie M. Kane. My guest tonight, ladies and gentlemen, we have a doctor in the house, Dr. Daniel Emmett. He is a musician. He is a medical cannabis cultivator, and he is a doctor of, is it psychology? Psychology, yes. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, he's the man, ladies and gentlemen. I had the privilege of renting a room from this fellow for a couple of months back in 2015. Uh, got to learn some things from him and uh, be become friends, man. And he's really continued on his career path since then. Yeah. And I, I must commend him for it. It's, it's really dope to see homies doing more than just weed stuff with their time on earth. You know what I mean? And you're, you're, making, the, you're making the most of it, Daniel. And I think that's dope, bro. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I guess I, I, I got these cookie cutter questions. I, I, uh, I emailed to you. Um, we don't have to stick to those. If you don't want to talk to some or talk about one thing or you want to talk about something more than another, that's fine. Um, I guess, can you talk a little bit about your career path to becoming a doctor, dude? Like, because when I, I don't, I don't think you, you were a doctor. I don't think you were a doctor when I lived with you, bro. I think you were, you were in school still, I think. Yeah, I was uh, still taking just core courses for the PhD, um, doing some practicum stuff at the hospital up there in Beaverton. Um, it's been a very long path. Yeah, dude. Yeah, lots of school, bro. That's, you know, like, man, lots. Well, I'm one of those rare people who, when they're 15, 16, thought, I'm going to be a psychiatrist. <laughs> <And that's fun. laughs> Chuck with it for a good 20 years, you know, until it happened. But instead of a psychiatrist, I became a psychologist because I recognized, oh, I actually want to be a psychologist. I don't want to just throw medication at people. So <laughs> that's dope. So is, is, I guess, can yeah, is that the difference then between psychiatry and psychology is psychiatry is more medication based and stuff and psychology is more talk about it figure out why more yeah clinical based yeah exactly so psychiatry aids psychology in providing medication when needed to help the brain be receptive to behavioral and cognitive change okay through a psychology yeah. dope dope and yeah. psychology more research um <laughs> So like I said, when I was 15, 16, I started having lucid dreams and astral projection experience and that kind of stuff, and which got me into Freud and Jung and uh, Nietzsche and just really focused on that. And, and I, there wasn't a lot of research out at that time. Actually, research was just coming out validating that people can lucid dream. It's like the earliest research on that is empirical research. Uh, around 93 to 96. So up until then, the Western world didn't believe lucid dreaming was a thing. And, and can you can you define <laughs> that term too for our, for our listeners? Lucid, what's the difference between a regular dream and a lucid dream? Uh, a lucid dream, you're conscious, completely conscious. You can manipulate and it's just almost just like being awake, uh, except obviously you're in your subconscious and shit's just changing so <laughs> word but and, yeah and you, you're, you're you awake and you're subconscious and you kind of have like control over what happens in it right it's like that's like you're not just watching it and seeing it it's like nah man i can go through this door or i can 
go down this street or something. And like, that's, that's what, uh, one thing I read said that it was, you know, that's the difference is usually it's like watching a picture with your regular dreams and with the lucid, it's like, nah, you get to interact, bro. And it's, you know, yeah, it's way, way deeper and cooler. So that's tight, man. Mm -hmm. Um, so I always found interesting about that. When, oh no, go ahead, bro. Keep going. When, man. Uh, when you lucid dream, if you try to do, yeah, if you try to do things that are against <laughs> your core beliefs or believe is possible in the real world a lot of times it'll kick you out uh, kick you out and say violation no that's not possible uh, <laughs> yeah like, it's kind of not like you have free range by any means no doubt which which is cool because when you're not lucid your subconscious does have free range so you kind of bring something into it if you are awake in your subconscious we're tight shit daniel tight man uh so you, you well, well, that's, dude, yeah, like, that's what got me started well, that's cool bro yeah. that's cool i didn't know it was that deep man you know like i, I dig this interview is tight already man i can share it with so many more folks now you know i didn't know how it was gonna go <laughs> i was like nah this shit's tight right here bro um yeah dude so that that was in high school so like where did you you grew up in in oregon on the coast right yeah yeah in Coos Bay, oregon okay and then um so did you like what was the path after high school dude so i mean that that gave you the inspiration to try and do research and figure out stuff but i mean you've done all kinds yeah, of stuff yeah. bro you got a game like you built like an amphitheater at your house and you could you know grow some fire ass weed run some oil with the air compressor and shit like i was like ah oh, this guy's got a game man i was paying attention bro i was paying attention <laughs> you know what i mean yeah uh, I'm, you know, I'm still working on theory from adolescence, still working on a book, working on research, uh, researching uh, lucid dreaming to cure anxiety disorders and depressive disorders. Um, but after high school, you know, I, I went into college at 16. I didn't have the discipline. So I was barely getting by like 2.7, went to Job Corps, got a degree in forestry, ended up getting some discipline through Job Corps, went back to, actually I got a scholarship through Job Corps because I accelerated through that, working for the Forest Service with a scholarship to Mount Hood Community College. And that's where I kind of got direction. I thought I was going to be an anthropologist and research lucid dreaming that way. And oh, then I dope. took some site courses. Like see, what, courses. like see what other cultures say about it too exactly, yeah. yeah fuck that'd be a sick book too man yeah mm -hmm. kind of like carlos castaneda yeah. okay yeah okay and, my, uh, my bad sorry for interrupting so then Daniel. i found some side courses at the end of my associate oh no problem <laughs> okay okay yeah man, my bad <laughs> the the connection's not that great i'm way out in the woods so <laughs> uh, uh, okay so there might be a little bit of delay on on the audio yeah. okay okay my bad and so discovered psych and realize, okay, this is where I want to go because psych is the social science that is the most scientific. It's the most respected. So if I want to be published for these kind of taboo topics, yeah, you know, I have to be half out of And so that's what got me started, focused directly on psych. Um, took a break after that. A friend of mine had a psychotic episode that lasted a while. He came out of me, told me that I was like the only person that he felt comfortable talking to. 
and so that kind of solidified it. Okay, clinical psychology. Yeah. And from there is Eastern Oregon to Palo Alto University for my master's uh, over to uh, Walden University out of St. Paul, Minnesota for my PhD. And that's where we met each other when I was working on that up in Portland, do my dissertation and uh, coursework. And, yeah. Okay, cool, man. Yeah. Can I talk about that a little bit, man? Like how I met you? Okay. Yeah. So, okay. So ladies and gentlemen, I, I was, I was managing this place called the farm shop. Uh, Daniel's old lady at the time brought in some of his nugs and it was fire. You know what I mean? And then she ended up working there too, but the, the owner sold it to fucking nectar. I'm not a nectar hater, but they fucking bought the place I used to fucking work at. So fuck those guys. But <laughs> any, anyway, I, I ended up getting a job down the street at human collective and then Daniel's old lady shows up with some of his nugs at Human Collective. I'm like, girl, what's up, man? And then uh, at that time, I think you guys were like moving and it was like, uh, you guys had an extra room or something. And I, and I was like, man, dude, yeah, I'll rent it, man. That's cool. And it, it all worked out, dude. And it was, uh, it didn't last that long. I think the neighbors smelled smelled the, the garage or something. I can't remember what it was. It was, we were up there on Bull Mountain. So it didn't last long, but it was cool for the couple of months that I was there, man. And um, it, like I tell folks about your, you know, your non-wasteful habits and stuff too. You know, it's like, man, I learned I had my electric vehicle there. I remember it shorting out the, the breaker one time in the garage. And, and that's when I started learning about that math too, because we were both pissed that morning. I was pissed because I couldn't make it to work on time because my car wasn't charged. And you were pissed because your fucking light went off. You know what I mean? So it was like, <laughs> I was like, God damn it. And you're like, God damn it. And we, you know, we figured it out. I was like, okay, I'm sorry, bro. I'm sorry, bro. You know, my bad. And, and uh, it was just good times. But one, one other story I wanted to share was, dude, you really helped me. It was like a Tuesday night, man. And I, I was in like four different spots. I had, you know, like a car, two cards in Tigard, one in Portland, one in Cascade Locks. And then I had one in uh, Hermiston, I think. So my grow op was real spread out. And I didn't have a lot of money to cover all that area. So I blew all my shit on soil amendments and everything that weekend. You know what I mean? And it was like a Tuesday and I was hungry as shit that day, man. It was like six at night. I, all I had was like a couple donuts that day. And it's like, you had just taken down your, your crop. You know what I mean? And I, I was just coming downstairs to grab some water or something. And you're like, Hey man, you still got some of those cookie sheets or what? Can we trim on them? And I was like, yeah, bro, I'll, I'll go grab them right now. And, you, and I was like, you can just use them. And you were like, well, can I buy them from you? And I was like, yeah, but you could just use them, bro. And you were just like, I, I want to keep them so I can have these on deck. So I don't have to ask you for them next time. And I was just like, all right. And he gave me like 20 bucks or something. I'm like, yeah. But dude, I was so hungry. I went and fucking got a cheeseburger right then, bro. So I was just like, man, I never told you that. But dude, thank you for, for buying those cookie sheets from me, bro. It really made a difference in my week and it, it helped me out tremendously man so thanks daniel you're you're a real one man yeah. they're still sitting in my lab right now <laughs> yeah real real handy tool man real handy tool yeah a lot yeah. of surface area you put a big pile on there put a pile in the corner yeah mm -hmm. yeah easy to collect deep off of there too yeah yeah and yeah man um and so I, I guess you kind of answered that question, like, wh why did you choose? Like, was there any other reasons, like your, your homie, 
your homie, you know, when he had a breakdown and he, he just wanted to talk to you afterwards, that was that was the major that was the major decision maker because you were interested already, right? Yeah, yeah, I was. Well, I was primarily interested in being more of a researcher, writer, uh, lecturer kind of. I didn't know that I had a knack for clinical until that incident made me reflect back to all the way back to middle school and remembering I get nightly phone calls from peers, you know, girls with guy troubles, guys with girl troubles, yeah. uh, home life stuff, just people would call me to talk. Yeah. And I, I recognize, okay, they, uh, people could talk to me. Yeah. <laughs> I listen. I yeah. hear what you're saying. Yeah. You're a cool cat. Dr. Daniel. I'm not, I'm not judging. Yeah, <laughs> man. No doubt, dude. And I think that, you know, that goes all the way back. My interest lies in everybody's experience is a piece of art, is a puzzle, is a is a, a conglomerate of all these pieces that fit together, you know, to make the person. And sometimes the pieces don't quite fit right or they think a piece should fit, but it doesn't. Yeah. And that goes all the way back to probably doing puzzles with my grandma every weekend, you know? Yeah, dude, I, I do too. Like I, uh, so, that, that but, was fun stuff. That was, you know, and, and when, I, when Indeed gives me those assessments on Indeed for certain jobs, that's the cognitive shit where I have to notice how the pattern is changing. Like those questions are so hard, but I like ace them. They're like expert in this, not proficient. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, why the fuck can't I get those jobs then, man? You know what I mean? So I, I try not to bitch and complain about it too much, but uh, it is, man. The, I, I dig figuring stuff out too, man. I feel like uh, music was kind of like that, but then cultivation especially, like just moving to Oregon and learning that part of it, bro. Like I, I just, it gave me a whole new level of confidence that it's like, nah, man, I can do more than just write songs. Like I could do all kinds of shit. You know what I mean? You just got to figure it yeah. out and practice. You know what I mean? So that's what I've been trying to do since then, man. You know what I mean? Like just like right, just, yeah. like like any kind of art, bro. Like I love this podcast shit because it's it's long form and I don't have to edit anybody's shit. They can just tell their own stories. You know what I mean? I love that. And and I'm also doing uh film stuff now, too, man. Some short film work. So I'm trying to. uh. I've been acting, but I want to write and direct one too. You know what I mean? And so I've, I've been working on that also. Um, Great, yeah. I, I caught wind of some of that listening to the past podcasts to kind of get a flavor of this, yeah. Yeah, yeah, man. I've been doing it for like a year and a half and I, I just enjoy it, man. It, it was, we started out just cannabis and then um, more and more of the entertainment art homies we're like, man, I'll come on there and talk for an hour. I'm like, cool, you know, like, and so we don't want to change the name, but we want it to be cannabis and entertainment. You know what I mean? And I don't know, you're, you you cover a whole bunch of bases on that. You know what I mean? Musician, cultivator, doctor, like we could do three different episodes, dude. You know what I mean? So <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and, and I miss uh, talking to the weed folks, man. It's been a while since we had somebody with some garden game on the show. So um, I, I don't want to talk about that yet. I want to ask a little bit more about uh, 
your your job now, man. Can you talk about because do you work at a hospital or something like that? Like, do you uh can you I don't know what you can share. Like, can you can you tell us about your gig and what the doctor shit got you? Um. Well, oh, there's a connection. Okay, connection was lagging for a sec. Um, oh, okay. I share a clinic, share a clinic with a psychiatrist. We have our own practices, but we just work together to open up a private clinic. Um, I give him referrals. He gives me referrals. Clinic is, uh, it's nice. It's quiet, low key in a great location near the hospital. Um, and I, I just psychotherapy out of there. And anytime anybody needs meds, I got a psychiatrist on staff a couple doors down and, um, just got in contact with the county mental health to possibly start putting together a music therapy group, which is awesome. pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. I had my, my buddy Deacon Jones, he was on the show in like March, but he healing through hip hop. That's his program that he's uh, trying to get going out here in Spokane. He's, he's had great results with it before, but he's trying to do his own, like, like his own thing where it's the, cause I guess what he would do, he'd have the kids, you know, while they're in treatment, come and spend a day with him at the studio, pick out some production, write a song, record it. And then it, it just, it is dude, therapeutic as fuck. And for kids with uh, substance abuse, addiction issues and stuff, dude, it just really uh, help, helps a lot. It helps turn, turn around their issues and helps them express themselves. And um, it's just positive, oh, yeah. dude. You know what I mean? It's cool that you're working on something similar too, man. Cause yeah, I, well, I just somebody in, cause you know, a lot of cognitive processing therapies has to do with writing things down, looking at it, looking at your own thoughts, building metacognitive awareness. So you could actually see the things that are holding you back when you do that and build a piece of art out of it or music, <laughs> then it's also empowering for the self-esteem yeah man hell yeah um so like how how long has your clinic been open man like are, are you guys is it new yeah it's, it's uh a year and four months now Tight. and previously last uh four years i was a district therapist for the schools around here oh uh, okay county. okay maybe that's the job i was thinking of you know what i mean because I, I remember you posted something it was i think similar, on your, yeah uh, when i was up there my bad. Sorry for interrupting, man. Yeah, so that's no problem. <laughs> so yeah, when I moved out of Beaverton, uh, that's the position I stepped into because I I've been working in Beaverton with uh, adults and seeing people come back to the hospital over and over again, and I just felt like you know I want to work with children and adolescents because if we can get those core beliefs, the the maladaptive ones taken care of early, then yeah, they won't be coming back to the hospital over and over again when they're adults. They'll have it figured out. Yeah, I agree. So, I feel like I'm one of those kids, Daniel. You know what I mean? I went to a shit ton of counseling when I was a kid, not just for judge-ordered court shit. You know what I mean? But <laughs> it's like they, they put me on, you know, Paxil and all these fucking, what are they, M M O R I or MRIs? or I don't remember. The, the, it's, it blocks, it's some sort of inhibitor that blocks a fucking receptor in your brain. I hated that shit, bro. The side effects from all that were terrible. And it's like in my adulthood, yeah. I do kind of understand how 
my fucking brain works and I feel like cannabis is a safer alternative than those pills. You know what I mean? And it's like, I try not to like tell people I'm crazy, but it's like, yeah, I've been to some counseling and shit, you know, like I'm, I'm pretty stable and okay right now, but I, I you know, I, I just smoke weed and, and try and chill out, you know, like I, I got to go to work and I got to make my music and I try to just focus on what I enjoy. You know what I mean? It's like, if I can get, yeah. If I can get a couple of hours of that every week, fuck, I'm okay. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's all good. And it's like when I can't, bro, and I fiend for it, it's, it's like, man, I need to do something that I enjoy doing. I need to make myself happy. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, that's what a lot of a lot of uh, what I do with adults these days is. It's basically, can we get your stressful moments down? to 20 or 30 percent of the time yeah to where you're actually enjoying your life yeah and can you be courageous enough to change things to see if you can make that happen because a lot of people just get themselves stuck and compromise and say well this i can i can deal with this but they're really just living in a in a gloomy existence because they're just compromising yeah no doubt i i agree man and uh i had to be honest with myself too about you know what's actually fun it's like nah fuck this when i did this i was high for two weeks afterwards without any drugs you know what i mean like it fucking made my it juiced my brain my brain was happy juicing for a couple weeks so i try and be conscious of those things and just do them when they're healthy you know like like, man take take part in those activities and make that shit happen you know um yeah dude uh okay can can i can i shift a little bit of the convo now towards cannabis is that okay with you daniel okay so how how did you get into medical cannabis man like was that part of your your research and as as a child or as an adolescent about psychology and such it definitely had an influence in my uh ability to think differently about things yeah yeah <laughs> uh but also i mean it's been a, a family a family thing back before you know all the way great grandfather yeah um, hell yeah man. And there's been a lot of, there's been like trauma around that, you know <laughs> yeah my, my parents were busted for it, and oh. that was traumatic did that happen when and, you were a kid too or what yeah it's nine years old it totally split the family up just turned my world upside down lost all my friends like had to move and all everything. over weed. damn yeah that sucks man and uh, and so there is always some anxiety around cannabis like i've never been one of those smokers and i don't really even smoke anymore mm-hmm. i was never one of the smokers who could just relax like i took it specifically to change my perception if i was at a roadblock with writing or music or something because it it put me into like a flight or fight response uh, yeah the anxiety around trauma of my parents getting busted for it i i when i smoke it i feel like something's gonna happen <laughs> yeah yeah i can relate i can relate yeah <laughs> so i never <laughs> used it to relax <laughs> okay cool cool <laughs> no doubt man um like so like so so maybe subconsciously 
part of my getting into medical marijuana was, okay, this is a, a legal way for me to desensitize myself to that stigma, to that trauma I went through, gain some empowerment around it, help people. I fell in love with the scientific aspect of horticulture and oh, really yeah. trying to fine tune my medicine, cover yeah. all the variables, being as much control of it as like, which there again, you know, the trauma and control, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, <Needing> control. <laughs> well, yeah, dude, because I, I remember right. living like, yeah, I, I want to ask you to talk about some of your methods and stuff, too, because I remember living with you. I remember going in the garage and you had like a whiteboard and it wasn't just a calendar. You know what I mean? There was all kinds of fucking math on there and shit. I'm like, what the fuck, man? And so I, I was like, because me, I, I was super going organic, like now nah, I'm making my soil. I'm just composting water, no nudes. You know what I mean? And you had a completely different approach, but your weed was fucking fire, dude. That train wreck was dope. That, that headband was dope. Um, can, can you talk about like, yeah, the nutrient line you use, like, like how, how did things change? Like from when you started, cause dude, your game is pretty tight when I live with you up there on Bull Mountain, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I was lucky enough when I started to be on well water that was very high quality, clean well water on yep. the Oregon coast. I mean, it goes back to, you, you know, your plants are taking up the water constantly. And, and if you're on city water, you've got chemicals in it. So I was lucky enough to have that leeway or that extra help right of having pristine water it fucking does to help, be able to dude. research yeah be able to research grow pretty good cannabis starting out and then through that research you know going through 10 or 15 different nutrient lines and testing them against one another and and narrowing it down to eventually using dutch master for up until they went commercial four years ago um it it couldn't be beat dutch master was hands down the best nutrient that i had ever tested i i'd gone through all 15 of the major brands um and then if you do it if you know how to basically talk to your plants through the water with what you're doing with the ph and your parts per million and your salts and the temperature and anything else that could be in the water, algaes or minerals or chemicals from the city or what it, what not, that's a good 60% yeah. of, of what, I mean, if you, if you can control the water really well and have your, have your additives to help buffer against external stressors, you're gonna grow some pretty good stuff. And then from there, you know, quality of light, and what you're putting in the air and how well you're tending to your plants. That's what pushes you up into top shelf. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, man. Uh, but it's a lot, of work, a lot of work to concentrate on the water itself. No doubt. And you were in soil too, huh? I actually, I actually was in soil. On Bull Mountain? Yeah. I had a hydroponic lab on the coast as well. Uh, but, but we were growing soil there which is a little more forgiving than hydroponics, but that kind of attention that you saw me paying to the plants in soil was developed through hydroponics. Okay, yeah, because I was, I was like, damn, you know, I was like, this guy's deep with his shit, man. Like, 
I, I was I was impressed, dude. I was like, eh, all right, cool, you know, like uh, super impressive and dope product too, man. Um, have, have are you still cultivating at all? You still got any lights going at all? Just just like one card to help folks out at least. That's good, man. Yeah, yeah, a couple, and I I keep it open basically to people in the music industry who are touring, you know, who who can afford top shelf stuff but they want it from a reliable trusted source yeah and i don't want to a whole bunch of time to do it because there's there's not any money in it anymore it's like i'm doing this out of i love the science and it doesn't take me a lot of time anymore because after you know 20 years of doing this dialed i could go down there 30 minutes every other day and have it dialed in yeah so. yeah <laughs> Me too, dude. I, I just, I got a five by five tent. I grabbed the LED light. So it's like first time experimenting with that, but I, there isn't a lot of money in it, bro. I do it. Cause it's one of those things that fucking makes me happy. And it's, I'm, I'm just not super impressed with what's at the store most times as far as genetics. And I'm, I'm just like, man, I do better in the crib in a tent, man. You know? So I, I put my money where my mouth is, you know what I mean? To try to make it happen, you know? Cause it is. I, I uh, that's one thing I appreciate too is when guys order seeds and try new things. You know what I mean? Like that's. I'm a big fan of cannabis breeders now too. I love interviewing those guys on the show. It's always a fun one. Um, yeah. Yeah, dude. Um, I recently turned half of my hydroponics lab into a into a gym. I figured uh, I can get better use of it myself. Yeah. No doubt, man. No doubt. Um, so I, I guess, yeah, that, that's one of the questions I have too, is can, can you talk about how the, the medical cannabis game has changed, bro, over the past five years? Cause it, it, it just, uh, I don't, I don't want to complain, but it, it, it changed a lot, dude. Like just the way everything is tracked now too. It's like, if you have more than two cards, they want you to get that fucking, that license for the seed to sale tracking system. I'm like Jesus Christ, man! Like with yeah, I guess that that was another reason why I cut down to just two. Yeah, um, that's yeah, that's pretty. I mean, there's arguments for and against it, right? Yeah. And unfortunately, you know, trying to make it legal, trying to make it accessible, trying to take the stigma away from it, and help everybody recognize, you know, this is a very safe, healthy, healthy alternative to many pharmaceuticals to it's a adjunctive treatment for for therapy for cognitive behavioral therapy it's a it's a i've seen people reduce their medications for bipolar disorder which is a lifelong thing a, a neurocognitive problem not just a cognitive issue like yeah so it's access is cool the fact that we have stores is great uh, the fact that there is um, a level of quality control is wonderful, but the culture, the home community culture of medical marijuana doesn't really exist anymore, which was a beautiful thing. I agree. It, yeah. And it was, I mean, this, the human collective, you know, a place that's community oriented where you can bring your excess medicine and get reimbursed for your expenses and that's not a thing anymore really i mean that's not even if, it, if you have to try to do it you still have to pay all this money to have your stuff 
screened and tested and licensed and definitely definitely the the elite and corporations got their hands in it and made it no longer accessible to just anyone yeah and that's because there are plenty of skilled knowledgeable intelligent growers out there who just don't have the money to get to participate yeah dude going wreck was a bitch bro i tried my ass off in 2016 you know it's like sweet talking schmoozing the guy in the meeting man my spreadsheets butter can't get the loop no we're not gonna squeeze on this nope sorry john because it's like man i can get the materials together i can do all the like i could i could do 100 plants easy but i I don't have payroll for a year you know what i mean and I, i don't i don't have the the, the means to do all of the extra other shit, you know what I mean? So it was like, yeah. fuck, it was, it, it severely cut down on, cause it was fun, dude. You, I had so many homies, you go to someone's house and it's like, man, they help trim or, hey man, can I get a cut of that? Like there was so much cool, not, not, not just commerce, just exchanges between people, man. The community was sick and I, I fucking miss that yeah. shit a lot, dude, you know? Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, it's good that they haven't gotten rid of it. It's still a thing, which is great. Um, and it's nice to see at the stores a lower price for cardholders. I mean, yeah, yeah. The, but it, it doesn't really make for what was destroyed. No, it doesn't. I, I agree, man. Um, four, four plants doesn't make up for it either, man. You know? <laughs> Like it's it's not, but everybody who lives in Oregon, I try and tell them that like you better have four plants going at your crib in the backyard at least for the summer, you know. Like it, it just why not? Even if you don't smoke, it's like man, give it to your grandma; she'll make some some lotion with it or something. You know what I mean? Make some cookies. Yeah, like I, I uh yeah. Hopefully that will start to grow because. It's not just about smoking. There's so much you can do with this plant. Yeah, yeah. man. I agree. And that's, yeah, I, I think more people should be encouraged and allowed to do that, whether they have a fucking rec license or not, man. You know, it's like, uh, I just, it, it did, man. I just feel like the really talented guys didn't join. You know what I mean? It's like they're, they're like, ah, fuck, I don't want to play that game with all those fucking rich yeah, assholes. <laughs> yeah, dude, serious, dude. You're not the only one, bro. Like, I don't want to say all the names, but it's a lot of talented homies. Like, fuck that. You know what I mean? And I, you can't buy their shit at the store anymore, man. There's no, you know? So it, it is. It, it bums me out, you know? Um, uh, I get, uh, another question I have written down, Daniel, is uh, what's your favorite strain, man? Oh, <laughs> favorite strain. I have a love-hate relationship with the Carmelicious. Nope. Very, very difficult. The clone, finicky. If you get it right, it is rock candy. I mean, it's like, it looks like artwork on the vine, like it's blown glass or something. It's so amazing. Yeah. Dope. Dope, man. From there, I've always loved Pot of Gold. I remember uh, that, dude. I remember it because I had to look it. I've never heard of that before. It was your lady at the time brought it into uh, the farm shop. And I was like, I looked it up like, all right. Yeah. And then uh, Dynamite. Yeah. Dynamite was another one that you had that I never heard of. Yeah. 
Dynamite's a great strain. Huge producer. Smells great. Looks great. Pretty good percentage. Um, train wreck, of course, has always been a favorite. I just love the smell of train wreck. And uh, I just I like sativas. They're great. Um, Granddaddy purple. That's a it's a difficult one to grow correctly. A lot of trimming and when you put it into flower, but I like that. Um, same for Bubba Kush. Lots of trimming required, but it, if you do it right, it turns out amazing. Um, Is that do they call that a high high leaf to calyx I mean, ratio or something like I mean, that? What's so that? that? Do they call do they call that a high leaf to calyx ratio or something? <laughs> yeah. When, when you got, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Basically but, a hash plant. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. No doubt. And what's another favorite? Um, gosh, there's so many strange. There's so many. There's so many names that are actually not what they are. You know, they, they just come from diesel, but there's like yeah. two hundred different strains. Now, but it's basically diesel. <laughs> yeah. Same with OG. It's like a million OG cushions. Yeah. Yeah. Or like a lot of people don't know that a ton of ton of strains come from this old strain called Super Green Bud. <laughs> like the early 80s you know like <laughs> no doubt no doubt um so be before i go down to the next questions daniel i wanted to ask you about the music dude like you you still got everything set up right there bro are you are you still writing and recording songs and do you have a band together is it still the same fellas you've been working with or what are you still working with the band yeah uh, uh i i'm working with a member of the band, but it's now his project, and it's a jazz standard project. I'm playing drums in it. Um, I'm still writing stuff for Citizen Patrol. That was the band, Citizen Patrol. Yeah, man. Citizen Patrol. You guys had like some some rage. Yeah, yeah I'm still writing stuff under that name. Dope. Um, it. I've been trying to go more pop just to see if it because citizen patrol is pretty complex strange timing a lot of intricate weaving of instruments so while it was my fun it wasn't it was only well received by music critics <laughs> uh, so, okay so i've been trying to cut it back and try to write some more like campfire uh complimentary kind of music where you just you know, play it on the acoustic or play it with a band and it's pretty straightforward. It's not working out very well because I ended up, I ended up doing something crazy in the song and I go, oh, well, that's not pop. <laughs> <laughs> but I, no doubt, man. But yeah, I'm in a, I'm in a jazz group playing drums for them, doing standards like Cantaloupe Island, Chameleon, Sissy Strut, uh, those kinds of like standards. And then finished up rock opera that I was working on when up in Portland based on the Canterbury Tales. It's a rock and, opera? Uh, a rock yeah. opera? And you wrote it? Are you so yeah, like yeah. are you good are you gonna perform it? Are you gonna perform uh, it? If we get a big enough I would love to, yeah. If we get the funding someday and, and the COVID thing ends. <laughs> that would be the shit, dude. For real. Man, that would be super dope. And, and man and then you you built a uh, a venue at your crib too, right? Like I, I that was after I stayed with you too, man. Like, can you talk about that a little bit? Like, it's it's like a legit 
it's a fucking amphitheater. Like he made it. See out the window here. Okay. This is actually the studio that's above the stage that I'm in right now. Tight. And so this house over here is what will be the uh, like kitchen and catering area for the amphitheater itself. It's pretty dirty right now. If you could see that, I don't know. Yeah, man, that looks dope. You make it out? Yeah, hell yeah. Fresh, man. But we're pretty, we're like 40 feet above it. The stage is below us um, or where I'm at right now. Tight, man. But yeah, it'll be a place to have concerts and weddings and club gatherings and that kind of stuff. What what do you what do you call it, man? Uh, Hauser Rocks Amphitheater because it's rocking and it's made out of a lot of rocks. <laughs> Dope. What's the Hauser part? Is that is that the nearby town or something? Hauser. Yeah, that's the suburb that we're in. Oh, okay. Hauser Rocks Amphitheater. If you're gonna get married. Or you're going to throw a big show after all this bullshit is over. Holler at the guy, man. You, you guys got a website and everything, too? We got a Facebook page, yeah. Okay. Dude, that's... Great place. Great yeah. place to have a wedding or, like, a, a gathering or... A, we can only do private shows until it's done because we can't get the the business license until it's done. It has to be a cottage industry license, which means once you get that license, you can't make any more improvements. Ah, uh, damn. So you got, got to be happy with how yeah. it looks and shit before you apply for that one. Um, okay. Okay. This, this is okay. So we're, we, we still got, you can hang out a little bit past an hour, right? Are you okay? I want to ask you this two-sided question and you, you can hang out a couple more minutes, right? You don't have to leave right an hour. Okay, cool. Um, it's a two-sided question. First side is the good side. Second side is, I guess, the bad side. But uh, the first half of it is, what do you feel has been your best move on the path to where you're at right now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, take your time, bro. Maybe it's not just one move. Maybe it was like, you know, a, a certain, uh, you know, a series of events or like just whatever, bro. You know, like what, what are you most proud of? You know what I mean? You've done a lot of shit, dude. So it must be hard to narrow it down, you know, but. Probably trying to stay flexible, right? Like trying to make the most of each moment, which is a lot of times recognizing I got to stop doing this right now and just go do something else productive. Yeah. Recognizing that creativity comes from putting it down, doing something else. No doubt. If you're more creative, then you're going to be more efficient, proficient with your time. Yeah, I agree, man. Good, good advice. Is there, is there anything else that you want to add to that before I ask the second half of the question? Um, and then probably going to Job Corps. Yeah. <laughs> well, th- no, dude, can you can you talk about that? Because I I've had other friends do that and I, I don't understand totally. It's like you go there and they, they give you work like you, you build shit. And like, would you, can you talk about that process a little bit? Because we might have a kid listen to this episode who was in your same shoes dude you know what i mean so yeah it was it was totally on a whim uh like i said earlier on the interview uh i was going to college getting like a 2.7 and i knew like you know i could do better but i just didn't have the discipline went to job corps job corps was you know the first mother to 
first time away from home, 18 years old. Uh, I stuck it out and then that's what built discipline in me. That's what gave me the, uh, the amount of healthy confidence to recognize, you know, you can learn whatever you want to learn. You just got to be willing to make mistakes and be willing to listen and be willing to ask for advice and, and figure it out, you know, and then developing those skills of conscientiousness and work ethic definitely a game changer um, for me and being able to be flexible like learning that there from my boss you know it's like you know you're not feeling it today well what can you work on okay you don't want to go on the field and and plant trees or saw or whatever well just stay here and study your animal tracking or tree id or something and you, know, you can put it down you don't have to keep working on the same thing till it's done you can put it down and work on something else and come back to it when you feel more motivated no doubt yeah good advice man because I, I i get like that sometimes too it's mainly with video editing i haven't done it since fucking college and i have to do it a lot lately so it's like fuck i have to like relearn and after a couple of hours i do it's like okay that i'm gonna smoke a bowl now i'm gonna drink a beer you know what I mean? I'm gonna check my I'm gonna check my plants and I'm gonna watch a cartoon or something, you know? <laughs> or or just like take out the trash or wash the dishes. Like I just uh mm -hmm. it, it does, man. That's good advice. And a, a lot of artists that I, I look up to have said similar things. Uh, DJ Paul from Three Six Mafia, that you know, they asked him, like, what's some advice you could give? And he goes, Man, just go to bed. He goes, if if you're sitting there working on a song for two or three hours and it's pissing you off. Just go to bed and work on it in the morning. You'll have a new idea. You know, you'll have a different, a different way to attack it. You know what I mean? Yeah, especially for sound editing, I mean, your ears get wore out before you recognize. Yeah. You'll get done editing after two hours, and you'll come in the next day. You're like, yeah, I got it pretty well edited yesterday. You'll listen back, like, what the? That's not well edited. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah, for fatigue in the ears, I guess that's what they call that. Yeah. Or RPM, I, I, he, he would, he'd take a break every two or three hours and we'd, yeah. go, we'd go eat or, you know, play some pool or something. And I was just like, man, I'm only here for the weekend, bro. Can we keep where he's like, man, I got to give my ears a break. And I'm like, okay, all right, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so uh, the other side of, of the previous question, what do you feel has been your biggest mistake on the path to where you're at right now? Yeah. Maybe it's not just one thing. Did you ever get a DUI or something like that? Good for you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I wasn't intoxicated, but I, I did get uh, brought in, even though I wasn't intoxicated and I had to fight it and it was dismissed the day of. So, but that wasn't, you know, um, you know, everything, everything you've been through makes you who you are today. So and I feel pretty good about today. <laughs> so, yeah, you're, yeah. But you, I, I, as you should, friend. As you should. You're you're fucking winning, bro. You know what I mean? But I can definitely see a mistake that uh, kept me from being further along, which which was uh, letting my projection and staying in an unhealthy relationship. I can dig it. Yeah, like same, bro. 
yeah, believing that somebody was going to change, that it was going to get better, that they were going to be supportive, that things were going to work out, that it was going to blah, 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 you know, everybody, you know, the classical psychologically abusive relationship. Yeah, man. Staying in that and not, you know, I was, I was ignorant and, and naive to things, but there were times where I should have called the police or I should have called for intervention, psychological intervention. I should have done it. I should have had those things recorded for later on. I should have, and, you know, being a professional now, yeah, well, that, that wouldn't be a question. It just happened. Like if that were part of my life, well, it wouldn't be part of my life, but yeah. if it happened, I wouldn't be second guessing. I would be, I'd be making the correct moves, but I didn't know. And I was letting my own desires for, for a relationship, letting my own attachments, you know, getting caught in in an unhealthy relationship, it's hard to get out of an unhealthy relationship once you've been conditioned to yeah. believe it's going to get better. You're conditioned by these little incentives along the way, but the shit just keeps happening, but you believe it's not going to happen at one point. <laughs> yeah, dude. I can totally fucking relate, Daniel. You know? but, but then even though that mistake set me back from possibly, you know, a, a different career path, maybe more prestigious career path or something, it also developed a much greater awareness, self-awareness of my own needs and, and where I was compromising my own boundaries. Yeah, no doubt. Good, uh, good answer bro you know like because it is man like i uh i can totally relate you know and, and i don't want to we don't want to sit here and bitch and complain about it you know what i mean that was then everything's all good now man but that 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 was the point of the question you know like it's it's uh fun to talk about the wins always but like you're saying um everything that happens to you makes you who you are and the, the losses are relevant also, Daniel, you know? Yeah. Like they are. Um, so th thank you for answering that question, bro. Honestly, too, you know, like it, it takes a lot, man. It takes a lot of courage, bro. <laughs> it, it does, man. Honesty is the best policy and people are just afraid to be that most of the time, you know? It's, yeah, it's, uh, it's scary to be vulnerable. Like we're all brought up to be tough. Yeah. A lot more courageous to just open up and yeah yeah because at the end of your life you know you you're not going to be harmed by being honest by talking about things but you're not being physically attacked for talking about your weaknesses you actually you'll be honored and supported yeah <laughs> Aries, yeah. a lot of people just try to act tough <laughs> yeah no doubt man no doubt um so i'm getting towards the end of my list of questions um what are some ideas or, or concepts that you would like to promote for the future and no no matter how abstract or anything bro like because i when when people ask me we're like well what do you think i'm like i want everybody to be able to grow their own weed you know what i mean and i want to trade with my neighbor like that's that's what i want especially if it goes federal that's that's yeah. what i'm trying to promote you know what i mean yeah i would love <laughs> if five uh, bartering was more acceptable because as we learn becoming professionals in the world, there are a lot of stipulations around bartering, which is a much better uh, system for everybody. Hell yeah, dude. But corporations, corp, the corporate talk, the corp, 
the corporatocracy, right? Yeah. <laughs> it stifled that. Like, yeah. no, Barney's not allowed. And how, like, so that's fucked. I mean, I wish, I wish that were more of a thing for sure. Not you bring it up. Um, I hope to get more case studies for um, this research into lucid dreaming, approaching the seat of anxiety and depression in the subconscious, helping people wake up in their subconscious and walk into that abstract place and confront or accept their fear and wake up feeling different the next day. That'd be cool to get that more mainstream. No doubt. Man, how can we help, dude? Like, is there, if people are chronic lucid dreamers can they sign up for your study somewhere or like how, how like how like how, how how does that work dude like how, you know like, uh right now it's on a patient per patient basis case studies if somebody shows interest i help them uh through proper sleep hygiene to start remembering their dreams to start becoming lucid in their dreams and then to eventually get the courage to go there uh but it's a pretty pretty uh scary thing for a lot of people when yeah. you as part of lucid dreaming an entryway into that is sleep paralysis where you wake up first and you know you're awake but you can't move your body and that freaks most people out to where they struggle to wake themselves up and so getting past that vulnerable state in the first place is the major challenge for most people. And then from there, it's a lot of work to then identify what is it in the subconscious? Where is this disorder, this maladaptive core belief, this existential crisis? Where is it being, what is it disguised as in your subconscious? And then being able to go there and start investigating until, until finally you recognize what you have to accept in order to no longer at the seat of it, at the seat of anxiety depression is an existential dilemma. No doubt. Fucking deep shit, Daniel. God damn, man. It's a super dope interview, bro. <laughs> you know? Um, shit. Is there is there anything else that, that you want to talk about or add, man? Can you can you drop your social media before we go? Like I it's your interview. I could stay for another 10, 15. It's um, I haven't really been on social media. I think I just got facebook and instagram and my my partner she pretty much just runs that <laughs> okay that's cool and, but, um, but uh how's the rocks amphitheater there, there's a, a amphitheater yeah there's a page on facebook what about citizen patrol or or the jazz project can people look for that citizen patrol is on Bandcamp. okay it is just citizen patrol there is a citizens patrol out of the UK, that's, which is a punk band, so not to be confused with that. And uh, my clinic is kind of active. It's got a Facebook page. It's called A Better Reality. Dope. Super tight name, man. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was kind of funny. Like, they, the patient <laughs> asked, like, oh, where are you going this afternoon? Oh, I'm going to A Better Reality. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. Like, that's, uh, dude, yeah. That's super dope name. Yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah, in the immediate uh, future, I've started a, a skateboarding therapy because I'm also, I'm also a board head. Like I skate, surf, snowboard, 
Um, so I've been teaching uh, teens skateboarding. We skateboard, we talk, we learn. Yeah. And, dude, yeah. that's fucking awesome, Daniel. Way to go, dude. <laughs> so I'm hoping to get an indoor skate park here locally, which would be the first of its kind here on the Oregon coast. And so that's an immediate, immediate change for the future I'm hoping for, for this area. And then generally, yeah, eventually get into politics and and uh, fighting against the the fascism that's been on the rise so yeah man i will definitely vote for you yeah dude hell yeah i saw the t-shirt man i i uh one of my buddies uh krizzle uh krizzle craig green is his name he's out here in spokane he makes uh buttons like the campaign buttons and i i ordered a bunch with like my album art and my podcast logo but he threw in a whole bunch of freebies and there was all kinds of cool Antifa ones. And like, it was just all the cool political pins that he, he sells on his website. I got a couple copies of each. And one of them was that that logo right there. So yeah. I, was like, so I was like, oh man, I got a button like that from Krizzle, man. Like that's tight. <laughs> yeah. But also, fuck, I'll vote for you, Daniel. You know, I serious lo- locally state however bro i'll campaign too i'll share the shit out of that flyer you know what i mean <laughs> yeah put, yeah put, senator congress one or the other yeah yeah dude because i feel like honestly that's that's where it counts man that's where you can do the most damage you're in you're in the room with those same assholes and they you know they could try to ignore you yeah it's yeah. interesting having that perspective now you know growing up in poverty and in a generation working up the ladder so far with just my family in general. Um, and then, you know, I, I joined Rotary a couple of years ago and then it just changes your perspective being in that and that much closer to leaders, right? Uh, yeah. I've always kind of been a leader, but putting together parties. And <laughs> yeah. But, it's uh it's still yeah it's relevant bro it is a skill daniel i did a presentation on implicit bias in rotary to people who you know there are some definitely open-minded people in rotary but there are also a lot of bigots (laughs) yeah (laughs) but they're they want to do good but they they think they're doing good right yeah but their beliefs are skewed it's it's kind of like you know somebody who grows up in a really abusive family they believe that that's okay it's almost psychopathic you grow up in a hardcore religious or a hardcore conservative or something family where you're pressing your beliefs on somebody you think you're helping these people but you're not you know so they're good they want to do good but their implicit bias gets in the way so i did this presentation and it it shook some of them which was good um honesty bro you know (laughs) for real yeah, and then getting getting that close and being in that, recognizing, you know, the Senate, the Congress, government isn't that far away. It, yeah. You're not that far out of it. It just feels so far away, or it has for me growing up. It felt yeah. so far away. And that's part of the subliminal tactic to separate, to keep that divide between the oligarch and the average person. Yeah, that's dope, man. There's uh there's a woman in Idaho named Paulette Jordan who's running for Senate this year and she's enrolled Coeur d'Alene. Um 
her, her little brother is one of my my homies from that res from high school and he, he's kind of wild you know what i mean she was the the smart one but he's still my buddy and i i don't know her like that but i know who she is and i know she she would do a good job and like you're like you're talking about uh it feels less far away and i, I don't stay in idaho right now but it's like nah if, if i did it's nah i kicked it on that res a whole bunch of times man i know that girl's little brother like she's she is kind of connected to us and not so far removed. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. I think that that helps out a lot. And Idaho, there's fuck, there's like a million people. There's like two congressmen, two state reps, and that's it. I think like north and south, pretty much. Like there's the Boise half and the, the above north half. You know? <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, dude, I I think you're on a dope journey so far, Daniel. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, dude, it's been an awesome interview. I didn't know how it was how it was gonna go. I haven't talked to you in a long time, bro. It's it's, it's yeah, yeah. It's been good to see your face and ask you questions and and tell stories, man. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I'm glad, I'm glad you reached out. I'm glad this happened. Yeah. Oh yeah, dude. Hell yeah, because I was I, I was just drunk typing on Facebook one night and I said I seen you chime in on so I was like bro I still love you bro can I get you on the podcast you know what I mean and it, it was cool man we, we made it happen so thanks man thanks for taking the time too because I, I know you're a busy dude and you got a family so uh it's it's dope that you gave me an hour man to to come on my podcast and talk about all the cool shit you're doing bro no thank you yeah <laughs> yeah yeah um so is, is there anything else man do you feel like that's a good spot to wrap daniel um i'd like to give a shout to the coquel indians because if it wasn't for them our indian chief my family would have never bought this property that has grown into what it is the theater here and a lot of influence in music and where i am today Dope. And, um shout out to to uh Mike Seagal, early mentor at Cedar Hills Hospital when I met you. Okay. And, uh, Shout out to Mike. Shout out to Mike. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, all the all the musicians out there trying to make it right now in COVID season. <laughs> no doubt. Yeah, same, man. Like, fuck, Daniel, I sold my DJ controller because I needed some fucking loot and I wasn't looking like I'm going to have a DJ kick for a long time, man. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I'm like, man, I'll, I'll get another one. But I, I still have my my microphone preamp and my mic and my computer. So it's like, yeah, it's rough. Everybody's just recording. and Nobody knows what the future holds, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Any, any, anything else, Daniel? Any more shouts out? Um, not that I can think of. Okay. All right. Well, with that, I'm going to do my outro dance, friend. This All was right. the 79th episode of Concerned Dabs Podcast. I was your host, Katie M. Kane. My guest tonight, ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Daniel Emmett, the owner of Hauser Rocks Amphitheater, A Better Reality, the owner's uh ceo of citizen patrol um he, you know he's a super cool cat man it was a super dope interview I, I feel blessed to have had this time with you friend so thanks for dude thanks for appearing man it was, it was a dope so uh ladies and gentlemen please please follow the guy online yeah man follow the guy online especially at house of rocks amphitheater look them up on facebook 
try and try and book a wedding. He can do private parties until he's done building. So hit him up. It's a you, you can look at the photos online. The shit is legit. Yeah, yeah. So check him out. And I also got to give a shout out to my guys in production, Mitchell Wilson and Jesse Curry. This has been a main node and Joseph Street Enterprise production.